Hi, this is Marianne. Thank you for listening to the Leap of Faith podcast, a series of deep dive dialogues with businesswomen, creatives and leaders who at some point in their life were called to play a different game in what they were creating in the world. Women who feel called to share their leap of faith and reveal how this decision has impacted their business and their life. This podcast is to inspire you, empower you, become still and ask yourself, am I still on the right path? Or is there a different way that I don't see yet? Listen and wonder what's possible if you start following your inner voice. My name is Marianne Hermsen. I'm living with my soulmate Mark and our two children in the countryside of the Netherlands. And I'm working as a teacher, business mentor and coach trainer. My mission is to create a ripple of change in the world by raising consciousness. This podcast and the Leap of Faith journey are part of my soul project to make a contribution to this mission in my own authentic way. And I'm so happy to be sitting today with Joe Boniszewski. I will introduce her shortly. Joe, originally from the UK, lives in the Netherlands with her husband Renee and her three children. She started out her working life, in her own words, as an insecure high performer management trainee with a large multinational corporation. After nearly 15 years of career in commercial management roles, something in her said it was time to stop. Step back, kick off her shoes and take a break to reflect on what it was that she was really meant to be doing with her work. And she didn't know at the time what that was. But she did know for sure that where she was, was just not it. And this pause for exploration led to her requalifying and starting her own company, Barefoot Training and Coaching. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Marianne. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm happy that you are here. And I'm just wondering, when did we meet for the first time? Must have been some a couple of years already. It, you know, it was, I think the very first time we met was when our children were really young and they were still at the kindergarten or the creche. Ah. I remember, I met you in a kind of former life, actually. I think, <laughs> you, I think you might have still been, a, you know, in your former career as well. Mm. You, we, we met each other at your house as part of... Um, the parent association for the creche where I Oh really? Yes. Oh, I really forgot. I it's funny because I'd forgotten as well, but it you know just came up. So uh, that was our very first meeting. But of course we met, we kind of met each other uh, in a new phase uh, two I think two or three years ago when we've started to uh, to see each other more uh, uh, in in this current phase of our lives yeah oh what what a wonderful memory that we were in, in the in the, the parent uh what do you call it parent group parent association for yeah. the for the crash yeah and for i the was crash. you I, were, I, you, were, you were the chairman or the chairperson <laughs> i think <laughs> it isn't on my cv i completely forgot so i must put it there but i remember yes i was in a different phase i had two small children i was still working in a company 
and I was getting a bit bored. So I think my first leap of faith started a little bit later there and and then yeah, everything changed when I started with coaching. But enough said about me. Um, we are here today to inspire other people with your story because I had a call with you to prepare a little bit and, and I asked you, so would you be interested to be on the Leap of Faith podcast? And some people, they say, well, I don't have a leap of faith, but of course everybody has and not everybody wants to share it, but you said yes, certainly. And uh, so I'm really uh, interested to, to know a little bit about your background because you are from the UK. Mm. And so the first question would be, how did you end up in the Netherlands? Yeah, I was, uh, when I, I, I started out my working life with, uh, with Unilever, so a half, ah. half Dutch, half English uh, company. And um, I actually got sent out here for a, a project fairly early on in my working life. And I met this uh, rather tall, good looking <laughs> Dutch guy by the coffee, by the coffee machine. Um, and uh well that was he became my then boyfriend now husband renee um and i i was out here just for a few months actually and um went back to the uk for actually three years before taking i guess what might have been my first semi leap of faith mm -hmm. moving back out to the netherlands i didn't dare to take the complete leap of faith and come out here for love alone i made sure that i had a job to come to very wise before i moved out but in a way it was even back then it was a kind of leap of faith because i didn't really speak any dutch i mm. could ask for a cup of coffee and i could order a beer um and that was it. I couldn't speak any Dutch. So I came out here to um, a Dutch-based job selling to Dutch-speaking customers. Um, in Dutch? Yeah, without That's... speaking Dutch. And my, my boss said to me... They hired you. <laughs> that, well, they hired me because they knew, I guess, that I was an insecure high performer. And my boss said to me, uh, you have to learn to speak Dutch within six months. And I did. Wow. It and your Dutch is, is amazing. It, it's, well, it's better now than it was. I mean, I've been here for nearly 25 years, Mariana, so it has to be good. Um, yeah, so that's how I ended up here. And I didn't know when I came here that I was going to settle. You know, that life has just unfolded um, that way. Um, and I, but there was like this decision of, okay, my love is living in the Netherlands and I have the job. So this yeah. is the best of both worlds. Yes, it was. It was. And uh, yeah, I've not looked back. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy living here very much. And well, actually, in those 25 years, my life has changed enormously because I did take, uh, I did take a leap of faith mm. <laughs> at some point in that 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you told me, um, so you, you stayed here, so her life takes over, the love becomes a marriage, <laughs> and you have three kids. Yeah. So there has been a choice like, okay, we stay here or we move abroad, or wasn't the choice, wasn't the, the question there? Was it really like, okay, I'm here, I'm settled? Um, there was, um, actually not such a long time ago, there was a, a possibility to move to the States, but then with 
Renee's job with my husband's job. Um, and at, at that point, and I think that was maybe just three years ago, we both decided, I, and I particularly felt very strongly, no, the Netherlands really is right now anyway, right now, still my home and the mm. home for our children and the home we want to continue to, to, to nurture for our children. Now, you know, maybe in five years time or who knows that may change, but right now, yeah, we're, we're very, I'm, I feel very rooted here. Although I do do work um, internationally. So I'm, I'm also working quite a lot in English and with internationally. And it can be done in the Netherlands. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So we will talk about it more because there's interesting stuff uh, to, to, uh, to share with the listeners. Um, but what you said, so I, you were honoring a value of family and, you know, being grounded. Have your family in one country for the time that they are growing up. And maybe something will change in the future and we will see. So it's re it really sounds like a value-based decision, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And also feeling into, feeling into how I experience the energy and the culture here in the Netherlands and uh, how I feel that nurtures the children and our family. Um, and, and feeling into what I've experienced um, in, in other places and other cultures like America, which was the, the potential uh, new base. So it was a very, um, it was a decision made very much based on intuitive feeling and values, as you say, and not necessarily you know, a mental scoreboard, what are the positives and negatives, because I, I believe also in that kind of decision, no matter what decision I'd made, we'd made, we could have post-rationalized it. Of by course, very, yeah. By clever argumentation, so yeah, yeah. And you say, yeah, uh, it's a highly intuitive value-based decision, but when you were, hey, go back to the time you were an insecure, high-performer management trainee, and you worked for 15 years in commercial management roles. So can you describe yourself how you were at that time? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't think I even knew how to spell the word intuition, <laughs> let alone what it meant. I mean, I was, um, I, I was good at what I did. Um, I was uh, very social, uh, sociable and social. So I got on well with, um, with my colleagues and my bosses. I was appreciated. I was very dependent also on the appreciation of others, mm. and the, the value that others placed on me. I was also um, sensitive to status. So I was attached to my job title. I think mm -hmm. I, I think I even had director on the business card, you know. So I was, wow. I was attached to that and the nice car that I drove. Um, and I was very, I had developed a whole series of or set of qualities, like being very analytical, very serious, very um, left brain. You know, mm -hmm. quite quite male energy as well, very goal driven, 
and uh, and you may even be able to feel it in my energy as I'm talking about it. But those were the things I believed were highly valued. So I had developed those characteristics and I was successful and and still underneath it all, pretty insecure. Mm, yeah, so there was this little voice saying something else to you. Well, yes, you know, at a certain point in time, it was around 2004, beginning of 2004, I'd been working in corporate life and had built a nice career um, for nearly 15 years, as you said. I, I started to feel inside that I needed to, I needed to, to get away. I needed to take a break. I was a, um, and not a break as in rest, but to distance myself to, to, to my corporate, you know. And, and I think this is a very interesting point where many women and men struggle with at a certain moment, especially in corporations. Um, so what's like the first sign that you know you want something else without knowing what you want or taking a break? That's a really great question, Marianne. And I'm having to kind of project myself back. And you know what it was? It was this feeling, and it was actually quite a visceral feeling in, in my body. It was this feeling of tension. Mm. Um, and actually not just in me, but I think in a way also in our little family system at the time. So Renee was in a, you know, a, a, a demanding corporate job as well. He was traveling a lot. Our son uh, was, he was one, one years old. And, and I had just become pregnant actually with our second child. And I was... Um, I was dropping my son off at daycare like seven o'clock in the morning and picking him up at seven o'clock at night, five days a week. And, and there was this tension in my body. Um, and there were these thoughts like that sort of, they started off as a whisper and I would mm -hmm. push them away, but they started to get stronger. And there were thoughts like I didn't have a child to drop him off at seven in the morning and pick him up at seven at night, five days a week, and then be too tired at the weekend to actually give him my, you know, Full energe attention. energetic, loving attention. Oh. Um, and, and it was interesting because I was, I did actually like, I, I liked my job in the sense that I was learning a lot, but I guess the other voice that was getting louder was what is all this for I, what's the what's the meaning yes and i probably didn't even ask that question at the time because i wasn't you know kind of used to using that kind of language but it was just this feeling of why am i why am i doing this yeah and the first question was why did i want to raise a family yeah and and now you're into it because i think that's happening all the time we yeah. want a child and we think i'll figure it out yeah <laughs> but then the child is there and so i was completely transformed and maybe you were also something changed in you at the least 
I think I became I I my my I I I I was able to relative you know relativize things more. My my vision widened. And, mm. um, but going back to your question about that, what was the first sign? I think it was a tension in my body, and at some point. I could no longer ignore it and I could no longer push away the thoughts. It became too, I, I, there was too much discomfort, but I didn't know what I was meant to be doing. I just knew that I had to cut the cord. Yeah. And, it's, and what did it mean? It literally? literally? literally meant, um, to the great surprise of the people who I was working with, it literally meant handing in my resignation with yeah. no job to go to, no idea what I actually wanted to do. And after my boss had done his best to persuade me to stay. What a lovely boss. Yeah, and he, yes. Um, so even I at some point during that process asked myself am I crazy you know am I crazy it's like I'm good at what I do I'm earning good money um they all want me to stay and I'm going and I've got no idea what I'm going into and funnily enough when I closed the door behind me and dropped my I, I remember literally taking my business cards and dropping them into the bin I mm. actually felt a slight wave of panic kind of just washing because I lit and I literally had the thought if I'm not this anymore who am who I? am I I'm I'm a nobody mm -hmm. I really that really is what was going through my mind I'm nobody anymore because I was so married to my job title yeah of course my job title and 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 when i was starting leap of faith and like uh, mind mapping or i call it heart mapping around it i wrote i had like two columns or a tree the first one was the length of knowing so which is like your corporate life your diplomas your job position your car joe the director yeah. let's say that you are in that space and with Leap of Faith, there is the, the land of possibilities. But in between, there is this transition. What you say, I'm a nobody, who am I? And bridging these two places is so scary for most people. So most people don't do it. Because it's normal that you feel lost. It's normal that you panic. It's normal that you don't know what's next. But still, there are like, like two voices in you. The voice of your heart who says, is this the life I want? Why do I have a kid if I'm only working and I have, don't have the energy to, to spend time with him? And, um, and the land of possibilities is like the future. It's the, uh, our mind wants to figure it out. Yes, but how? Is this a little bit the process you were in? Absolutely. You're describe. I'm sitting, obviously your listeners can't see it, but I'm sitting here nodding like one of those little dogs in the back of a car, you know, that those little dogs that nod as the car. I'm nodding away like, yes, yes, I'm recognizing this, all of this. And the other thing that was, that, that was sort of, 
almost uh, amplifying that feeling of that, that struggle in that sort of liminal space between the land of the knowing and the not knowing were all the people that would say to me, well, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. What, you don't know? You know, <laughs> they kind of look at me like I was, and then they'd start giving me advice. What, why don't you think about this? And you could do this as if it was, they were almost, you know, finding it scary for me that I didn't know. And they can't deal with it neither. No. It's so like, it's not very helpful. It's really interesting because, I, I, again, I'm, I'm sort of projecting myself back. It's now nearly, uh, what is it, 15 years ago. Um, I remember now all of a sudden that I would kind of make stuff up just to kind of get people <laughs> off my backs. I'm working on, I've trained job interviews. <laughs> yeah, I'd be just like, oh, I'm going to be a mediator, you know, because, mm. you know, and then, oh, like, oh, okay then. And so I remember somebody really kindly gave me a book on the 10, the 10 tips to be a great mediator. And I thought that'll serve you right, Joe, for <laughs> making stuff up to just get people to <laughs> stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> Oh. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I recognise it very much. And back then, Mariana, I wasn't aware of the land of. I wasn't aware how exciting and fun it is to be open to explore the land of possibilities and the land of not knowing from a place of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I. That's a journey I've you know one of the the results of my journey for the past 15 years so back then it was yeah it was it was pretty uh pretty scary Uh, and at the same time I really enjoyed the space and the time that I'd given myself despite not knowing who I was, to start that journey to find out who I was and what I wanted to do. And and funnily enough, people came on my path pretty quickly to guide me in that journey. Mm, That's an interesting, yeah, um, development I see all the time. You first have to close the door or cut the cord, what you say, by before new energy is opening up and new people are attracted to you and many people don't understand that but this is the the trusting part i also learned by doing and by mistake that if i don't cut the cord if i don't close the door i will be stuck in a situation i don't want to be in yeah 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 i remember people also saying back then 15 years ago why don't you just you know keep doing your job and reflecting the weekends you know why do you have to particularly my my boss at the time why do you have to you know close the door just do your reflection in the weekends and the evenings and keep working for us you know and something and that's now I know now I know what that voice is I call it I call uh that voice my soul prompt Mm. Um, it's a prompt and so you know it begins quite quiet quietly uh, and, and if I don't listen, it gets stronger and stronger until uh, I can't ignore it. Um, so it was, you know. And, and, and how did you get to the on the path of personal development? Because there was this soul prompt, maybe. And you said, I'm attracting people. People came on my path. So what happened next? 
Yeah, what happened was, first of all, in the space, the space and the time I, I had created for myself, I realized very quickly that I didn't miss the content of what I used to do and what I was actually quite good at. I just didn't miss it. I would think of it and think, gosh, that's actually really boring what I did. But I missed the people. I missed the people. And, and I would get these voices coming up, sort of, you know, like they would, it would just kind of run by me of colleagues in the past who'd said things like, how come you can always get things done without conflict? Or you were a really good coach for me. You know, so mm. I would, all these, and I would, so I started putting two and two together. And actually one of the people who came on my path was my very first coach. And, you know, she, I'd never had coaching before. And I thought, well, I don't know what I am, who I am and what I'm going to be doing. So I, I, I had, a, I embraced a coach and I, and, and I talk, I just, talk to people and I remember one time somebody it was actually a neighbor of mine she said you know what I you know why don't you there's this really great um course that you can do to become a coach and a trainer and I literally thought to myself why not mm -hmm. why not I, you know I don't know if it's what I want to do but if I don't try it I don't know so I decided to step into that. That was also like a little mini leap of faith because it was quite an investment in terms mm -hmm. of money and time. And I had no idea if it was what I wanted to do. And well, the rest is history. I, <laughs> so I started doing that in 2006 and I set up my, my business uh, in 2007 when I graduated. So I'd retrained as a coach and a trainer and for the last 15 years, which is 12 years or so now, um, I've been working, um, I started off more as a trainer and I've made the shift in the last 10 to 12 years to, to coaching and particularly leadership coaching um, with, guess what, corporate individuals. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, wow. I... I speak the language, I understand the frustrations and the drivers of people I'm working with. And um, I really love what I'm doing and it has a huge amount of meaning for me and yeah. the people I work with. And, and what do you want to bring to those people working corporations? You know, the words that, that come up to me as you asked me that question, Mariana, are ease and freedom and the liberation from, which I suppose is the same as freedom, liberation from um, the, actually the prison of their own, their own beliefs and their own mm. thoughts and their own um, conditioning. Um, and I, I also... What I love to do is uh, enable them to experience the power of engaging not just their intellect, not, not just their amazing analytical planning mind, but their deeper intuition, you know, a, a deeper intelligence, the heart intelligence, the belly intelligence, 
um, enabling them to experience or equipping them to experience what it means to tap into another kind of intelligence um, and get that to partner with their intellect because you know mm. that's nothing wrong with the intellect no they need it both amazing powerful partnership um, and and do you see if you look at trends that there is a tendency that more and more companies are open to train their people into intuitive skills I think there probably is. I mean, I have I have more than enough work. Um, although sometimes, and it's not really an answer to your question, but um, I think sometimes people come to me because they um, they see I have a corporate background, and it's a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, other business people are saying, you know, go go speak to Joe. Um, and it's only when they actually in here and the doors closed and they can't run that I start <laughs> that I start introducing them to other things that they're not, you know, necessarily used to working with. Um, and I what what I do notice is that the trend maybe in my clients that they're 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 willing to embrace new ways of thinking because they are realizing that the old way of thinking, which is very much the paradigm of the intellect, is no yeah. longer serving them. We no. work in a world which is moving so quickly, which is full of disruption, which is really hard to predict and control that you know, it's asking. Yeah, they need uh, different skills. Yeah. And it's yeah. a bit like your own, it's, it's a bit like your own path because you were corporate, you were this woman who didn't have like the consciousness that you could rely upon your intuition and, and, and combining it with the, yeah, like let's say the, the, the energy of the mind. But these people are here now and they trust you because you have a corporate background and once they're in, they know at least that it isn't working anymore what they're doing yeah absolutely this is totally my journey it's <laughs> yeah it's totally i would say i made the journey from left to right you know from the left logical brain to the right more creative um, it's just a couple of centimeters there eh? it's i know much. but it's oh, i know but it still <laughs> took me 12 years <laughs> And it's, it's like, um, I, yeah, I, I joke, I've gone from left to right and from head to heart, which is, mm. I guess, about 15 centimeters. Yes, it is. And at the same time, I've not left my head. I've not left my left brain, my logical thinking, analytical brain. Um, I've just expanded. I've become more whole. Um, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, and, and that's, I guess... I find it hard to express my mission in words because I feel it so deeply in words uh, often. So try it. Try well, it a little bit. It has to do with wholeness, with, mm. with, um, with equipping and enabling the people I work with to become more whole. It's, it's a bit of a cliche maybe, but to tap into more of, their full potential so more, what there already is yeah what there already is but has been pushed away or ignored yeah. or kept quiet because actually often there's fear there's you know people are afraid to show up 
and 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 they often say, you know, be them, you know, dare to show themselves, uh, be themselves, show vulnerability, work with emotion. Uh, the number of people I get who, you know, working with emotions for them in business is is still almost a taboo, and just mm. helping them to see that emotion is just information and if they're not they can't relax in that they're losing a huge amount of information yes yes i totally agree with you and again, i've been on that part but it's my own journey Marianne. everything i'm saying has i've you know discovered myself i've i guess i never take anyone anywhere that i've not been myself yeah practice what you preach and how can you be you know, there is this saying uh, when the teacher is ready the students appear but we're also the students all the time yeah. so when we are the students we work with well at least i work with coaches teachers to yeah. to get more knowledge but also more inspiration and and from different levels energetically but also information um so we are i feel that we are eternal students and we can serve as a teacher because the students appear. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I'm ex exactly the same. Yeah. And uh, I also know that you are uh, working for uh, Ellen Seal, the Center for Transformational Presence. Can you tell me yeah. a bit more about that? Because I don't know if many people have heard about him maybe in america it's a usa based center right yes alan is alan is an american he's based in boston and he's the founder of indeed the center of transformational presence and um, he's an author and a speaker and he actually comes over to the netherlands uh, at least twice a year um, and transformational presence is he he's the founder or the let's say the that, that work has come through him um, and it's a, a, a wonderful approach and sort of and set of tools and skills which can equip leaders and coaches um, to, to work with ease and impact in this incredibly um, rapidly changing world that we live in. And in fact, there was another little bit of leap of faith actually that that happened in my relationship to Alan because he, um, I met him, uh, or at least I became aware of his work in the, at the beginning of 2013. And um, I, I think at some point I got a spam mail and I don't usually open, I didn't usually open spam emails, but this one for some reason I opened and I read it straight away and it was an interview with this guy, Alan Seal, who was talking about <laughs> soul and ego um, mm. you know intuition intellect and i printed off the email i thought well that's really interesting i'll come you know I'll, I'll do something with that and then i forgot about it and a few months later i opened a coaching magazine and there was this guy again it's alan seal so talking about it. science yeah and i yeah i know and i thought oh i really must do something about this and then i forgot you know put the magazine away at the bottom of the pile and forgot about it and then the third sign, I had lunch with a good friend and colleague of mine. And she said to me, you'll never guess where I've just been. You know, I've been on this amazing program with this American guy, uh, transformational something or other. And, and I said, wait a minute, it's not, it's not Alan, is he? Yeah, yeah, Alan Seal. 
And I remember at the time kind of looking up or looking around me and going, okay, I hear you. And I, I went hear back you. home. I hear you. I went back home and I signed up for his five-day foundation course without even knowing what the content was. I just mm. knew, I knew I had to be there. And, but, but this and, is something not everybody has, this, you know, let's call it equality or a deep trust. Yeah, you say it's, it's a small leap of faith, but you register for something and you know you have to be there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, it, going to this program, I mean, without going into the details of the content, going to the program and, and you know, during that five days, I thought, I'm, I'm coming home. You know, this work is so resonating with me. Um, you know, this is, this is going to take my, my capacity as coach and my business to the next level, which it did. And a couple of years ago, Alan asked me, along with a, a small group of people, to work with him in um, expanding the work of transformational presence. Um, so if I look back, you know, six years ago, I followed this, you know, inner soul prompt again that said, mm -hmm. you know, you have to go to this guy. I had no idea why. Um, and and, and one, one, small, one small question. Did you discuss it with anybody like your husband or you just signed? I, you know, I don't think I did. I think I probably discussed the practicalities of it, Mary, and I probably said to Renee, you know, I want to go away for five days then, you know, yes. can you, can like you be a, at home to, to, to sort out? Um, share just some, it's like a, uh, you share just some uh, information without saying, I'm going to do this amazing training and no. I don't know what it's about. No, no. And, and the funny, no, I didn't. I just, you know, I, I just, you know, I just did my thing, I guess, and um, created the conditions so that I could do it. So, you know, my husband was at home looking after the kids. And, only, and it's now six years later, I look back and I'm like, yeah, well, that's why I, that's why I had to be at those five days. And funnily enough, next year, so we're coming to the end of 2019, aren't we? It's just at the beginning of December. And next year, there's a retreat in the UK with a guy called Nick Askew. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. My uh, friend has been on his, uh, before his camera, in front of his camera. Yeah, fantastic. Work. Soul biographies. Yes, I've been following him for a while. He's got this new retreat called The Inner View. And although I've been following him probably for about four or five years, I've never you know, felt the calling to actually go to him. And three weeks ago, again, I got one of those, you know, whispers. Well, actually, it was a pretty strong thing, that voice that said, it's time, it's time to go. And I remember when my husband, again, I was doing the creating the conditions, you know, darling, I want to go off then and then. And can you be home with the kids at that time? He said, why do you want to do this? And I said, you know, I have no idea. The only thing I know is that I'm meant to be there mm. now. Yeah. And I said, and ask me in five years' time mm. why I did it, and then I'll be able to tell you. Yeah. Just, and I said, just trust me. I know that this is what I need to do, what I'm meant to be doing. 
And I've learned in the last 12 years because things have unfolded that way. And I've learned by that to trust the inner voice. Yes. More. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a whim, Marianne. It's people say to me sometimes, how do you know? Like, is it just a sort of on a whim you decide to do something, you know, kind of, and then the next day it's something different. So that there's, I, there's a difference. It's a very quiet, calm sense of knowing. And I hear that you are very grounded when you're saying it. Yeah. And it does not go away a day later or a week later, you know, or a month later. It remains. Yeah. If it would be a go away, it would be an impulse. Like, okay, I have to do it tomorrow. I do something else. And yeah, that, that's the word I was looking for. Kind of impulsive. You know, sometimes the, the gut feel can be a little, I, you know, I, I follow my gut feel a lot, but sometimes it can be a little bit up and down. Whereas this is deeper knowing that's, I think, more attached to heart. Internal. Yeah. And, and uh, to, to dive a bit deeper into that sign, you know, this inner knowing. Um, what I experience when I have inner knowing, there are different emotions always showing up. Either it's like, I'm very joyful, really like I have to smile from ear to ear. That I know. And at the same time, I can be, become very emotional uh, that I know this is true because my body is reacting to it. What is, what is your sign? What, what do you notice? I, I love the word true. So <clears throat> there is this knowing there's this feeling of this is my truth. This is, this is true for me right now. And I guess there are two things which I feel one is, um, one is a deep, actually it is a deep connection to grounding. I feel very grounded and centered when I, when I listen to that knowing. And the other thing is, is emotion indeed. And it's a sort of, Oh, what's the word? I can think of the word in Dutch. It's, um, I'm very, I feel deeply touched. Yeah. There's a, there's a feel of being, yeah, that being deeply touched or moved. And sometimes it's tears as well. Sometimes I feel tears. Um, but there's this, this calmness in it as well of, uh, of my truth. It's true for me that I go there. Um, and what also feels true therefore right now is I, I feel that I'm probably at a stage in my work in the world that's about to, to shift. Um, not the core of what I do is still what I'm, it's what absolutely what I'm meant to be doing. I'm going to keep contributing as I'm contributing now. And maybe there will, there will be some kind of shift in form. It sounds like a next level or something. Yes, yes, that's how it feels. So it's not without like, knowing what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to cut the cord. Um, not this time. There's no need for that. But there is some kind of shift or next level that's coming, and um, I, I, I'm just paying attention and listening. And yeah. And is there any sign? Because that's what I often use as a sentence that my soul is getting bored. Like it's, it's my, my soul wants me to do something new, something next, because 
what I do, I do very good. And, you know, I'm fulfilled. So there is no reason to cut the cord. But I know there's more. There's like expansion possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the word expansion resonates really strongly with me right now. Um, when you said my soul is getting bored, the words that came for me were, my soul feels restricted. Mm, and I don't beautiful. even know why. Please don't ask me why. <laughs> no. because, you know, I'm so grateful for the work I have and the clients I'm with. And I really love what I do and there's something my there's something about feeling restricted there's more possible for you yeah, and it's there's something about and this is a bit of a theme for me in my life something about breaking free and breaking out so um yeah. and I try I really do trust that that will start to become clearer and clearer um during the course of 2020 um and that what's being asked of me right now is to to trust and to listen and to pay attention you know listen as in with everything pay attention and how do you listen do you have like a ritual for that i do i have my magical hour in the morning uh, marianne i uh I uh, get up most mornings between 6 and 6.30. I say most mornings because sometimes when it's really cold outside, yes. I, I stay in bed till 7. Um, but most mornings I get up between 6 and 6.30 and I make myself a nice cup of tea. And then I meditate and um, I sit outside. Unless it's raining, I sit outside. So even this morning in the freezing cold, I put my fur boots on and my my woolly hat on and the neighbors think i'm completely mad um because <laughs> I, I sit in my front garden of all places because there's a great bench uh there and i sit on my bench and i meditate for about half an hour um and it's a you know it's a combination of meditation of reflection sometimes i create so i'm actually you know create using my Im creative imagination to to, to create stuff in my uh, work or I write I also write poetry so that's the time in that magical hour when I'm drinking my tea in my front garden with my woolly hat on and I'm meditating that's that's how I tap into um, yeah how I tap into what I call uh, the source or you know the creative field around mm -hmm. and, and listen listen to yeah I think you have shared like your your magic tip for the listeners because uh, the question was so how do you know that your soul is getting bored or restricted and what are the signs and you said trust listen and there's a lot of calmness and having this ritual which can for people be it doesn't have to be meditation it can also be a walk in the forest or doing yoga running so there is not one form absolutely not no totally agree with that yes and and i guess this one last little thing that pops up with me is you know if it's really what you're being called to do what you're meant to do there might also be a little bit of fear mm. you know yeah. and then a fear in the sense of oh, it, it might feel quite big 
or tingling like, feelings in your yeah in your belly yeah kind of yeah that tension it's not boring it, it's not a it's not a restrictive fear that it, it's a kind of ooh, you know this is something new and <laughs> making a new step so you know you don't necessarily i don't necessarily always feel like really zen and calm but you know i just know and i trust that yeah that i think this is a very good uh um tip and uh your sharing for the listeners to to, to end this uh this podcast and i would like to thank you joe for sharing your journey and there have been so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom and i love the word soul prompt i hope that the people who listen uh, will be inspired and will and, and if there are questions please let me know under the instagram post i will will share and I will share this podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes so and on LinkedIn. So there will, there will be many ways where we can listen to this beautiful experience of soul. That's what I would like to call it. And your leap of faith. So thank you for being here, Joe. Thank you very much, Marianne. It was a real pleasure. Thank you.